Well, good morning, good morning. It's great to um, be in worship with you today. We, um, we're continuing, over the last um, several weeks, we've been kind of walking through um, some ways in which we can grow um, in our walk with Jesus, to grow spiritually. So let me ask a question. To what lengths would you go to grow in your relationship with Jesus? What, what efforts would you expend in order to grow deeper, uh, more in love, to find out more about Jesus, to develop your character so that it becomes more Christ-like? What, what energy would you expend to do that? Listen to uh, individuals who valued, um, they value the art of movie making. I imagine they value the art of money making as well, but they value the art of making movies. And because they value the art, um, the, the art of movies, they actually go to certain lengths to play a character in those movies. So listen to some of these individuals who value movie making. For her role in Black Swan, Natalie Portman trained with the New York City ballet dancer Mary Helen Bowers for eight hours a day, six days a week, for 12 months straight before the film even shot. For his role in My Left Foot, Daniel Day-Lewis interacted with disabled patients at Sandy Mount School Clinic in Dublin, Ireland. So between takes, uh, between takes during filming, he actually remained in the wheelchair and was spoon-fed and carried around by the crew. For his role in Revenant, Leonardo DiCaprio plunged in and out of icy rivers, ate raw buffalo meat, and slept in a simulated horse carcass. For his role in the film Fury, uh, Shia LaBeouf trained with the U.S. National Guard and was a chaplain's assistant in the 41st Infantry. During the filming, check this out, during the filming, he did not bathe for four months. Try that. He valued making that movie. To better imitate Ray Charles, Jamie Foxx wore prosthetic eyelids. In fact, they actually glued his eyes shut, leaving him blind for most of each day. Occasionally, he was inadvertently left alone on the set, the crew forgetting that he was blind. And he also learned all the piano parts and lost 30 pounds in one week to play the role. For her role as Fantine in Les Miserables, Anne Hathaway shaved her head, lost 25 pounds, and subsisted or lived off a daily diet of two thin squares of dried oatmeal paste valued making 
the movie, Value the Art. To play a drug addict in Jungle Fever, Halle Berry visited a real crack den and got to know the addicts. And during filming, she abstained from bathing for 10 days. What lengths would you go to to grow in your relationship with Jesus? Now, if these individuals could value making movies and go through that kind of effort and spend that kind of energy to make a movie that maybe some of us have seen and enjoyed, what would it take for us to live a life of growth so that the world might be blessed by the growth that we experience? You see, because if we value something, I think we will go to certain lengths to prove that we valued it. If we valued something, if, I think we would, we would uh, actually, there should be facts that we can collect that say we actually valued those things. If we say that we valued um, um, saving money or being a good steward, then we should be able to collect the facts to see that we actually valued it based on our habits. If we say that we really, really, um, we, we want to be healthy, then we should be able to collect the facts to say, through our habits, to say, oh, these individuals are healthy. If we say that we love our spouses or we love our friends, we should be able to collect the facts. Anybody should be able to collect the facts and say, oh, no, there are habits and there are things that actually show that you and I value that thing. Values should be verifiable through our habits. And so, if these individuals could go through uh, so much to make a movie, what about you and me as it relates to our relationship with Jesus? If we say that we value him and he's worthy of it all, from him are, are all things, to him are all things, if we say he's worthy, then there should be evidence to say that our habits actually prove that he's worth it all. Whether it's through our reading the scripture so that we might get to know him better, whether it's through our prayer life that we might talk to him and communicate with him, whether it's through our community life that we actually want to live in community so that we might grow. If Jesus is worthy of it all, if he actually died, which he did, for our sins and we are grateful for it, then, then for you and me there should be evidence through our habits, through our practices, that these are our values. So growth in Jesus, our, our spiritual growth is about the values we hold. And he is one of, he is the value that should drive our growth. So here's the, here's the, the, the thought um, for, for this message. God's people must make intentional efforts to grow to spiritual maturity. Just as we make intentional efforts with every other part of our lives, we should make intentional efforts to grow in our relationship with God. Growth to spiritual maturity. 
Now, again, I want to let you know there's no judgment, no condemnation here. We're all on a journey, and we're all making steps. Some are making larger steps, and some are making smaller steps. But the key is, is that we would move and we would make progress on our journey. And so every believer should and must make intentional efforts for uh, towards spiritual maturity. So here's a, here's a couple of verses. For This is 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 5 through 7. For this reason, make every effort, that's the phrase, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue. So make every effort. Then Peter gives a list of virtues, a list of values that you and I should be developing on a regular basis. Now, some of these values are, um, they, they they, they are not, even though he gives a list in Second Peter, you can pick any one of these values and say, God, help me to work on virtue and knowledge, knowledge of you, self-control. Again, the key is, what kind of effort am I making? Here's another, this is um, Philippians chapter 2, verse 12. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence. And here's the phrase, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Now, what Paul is talking about here, he is not talking about work for your salvation. He is saying that Jesus, the, the individuals who have surrendered their lives to Jesus, God has done his part. Now, it is up, us, it's up to us to do our part in cooperation with God. And so, so God's saying, I've given you my spirit And so now I want you to cooperate with me. I want you to develop a Bible study plan, a Bible reading plan. I want you to set aside time to pray. I want you to set aside time to live in community. I want you to actually take part in your growth, take part in your transformation. Not only um, this, this idea that it's going to happen automatically, but make yourself available to grow. So, so work out, it, it's, it's effort. It is making effort to grow. So you see, if we believe that Jesus is worth it, then we will put forth the intentional effort, not an accidental effort, but an intentional effort to get to know him better and love him more. So when discussing spiritual growth, we must remember an important point. And I don't want us to forget this, and I have to remind myself of this all the time. Spiritual growth is not automatic. It just doesn't happen just because I'm, I accept Jesus, I surrender my life to Jesus, and then all of a sudden that I'll wake up one day and I will be spiritually mature. That is not the case. It is not automatic. It requires cooperation with, with God. It requires effort on our part. Even the word itself, the phrase, make every effort in Second Peter, appears only here in the New Testament. And it means to, to actually bring in alongside. In other words, the idea that Peter is getting at, God has done his part, now it's up to us to bring alongside God's part, our own part, in our transformation. Spiritual growth is not automatic. God has done his part, but he expects us to cooperate with him, to do our part 
as he has done his. We must continue to work out what God has worked in through Jesus. Now, this doesn't, again, this doesn't mean that we are working for our salvation. There should be works that accompany, growth that accompanies what God has done in and through Jesus Christ. Spiritual growth is not automatic, no days off. It is a continuous journey, a continuous process of development to be more like Jesus. I want to give you a couple of phrases that, um, that scholars associate with this phrase, make every effort. It is the exertion of energy and strength. It is pouring out energy and strength to grow. One of the enemies of spiritual growth is convenience and ease. That we want everything convenient, we want everything easy, and we don't want to expend any kind of energy. We don't want to expend any kind of effort. And yet, this phrase, what Peter is saying, if you want to grow and if you love Jesus, and which I, I'm, I'm, I'm saying that I believe that you do, and so there's this sense that we are to engage the process of our transformation. So exert energy and strength. So I, uh, one of the places where I go to work out is uh, Michigan Athletic Club. And, and several years ago, I, I was dumbfounded by this, and there's something called the executive workout. And the executive workout at the MAC is individuals come, and they take off their clothes, and they um, have a towel, or they put on their workout clothes. They sit in the locker room and watch television, but they don't go upstairs to work out. And then once, once they felt like the executive workout is over, they, they, they actually put back on their clothes, and they leave with their gym bag as if they've worked out. I'm dumbfounded by this. Like, like I, I, like I'm, like I come back down and I'm sweating, and and they're still there and they're sipping coffee, and and it's like, like you came here to work out. Well, in Christianity, there are no executive workouts. It really is about expending energy. It is really about saying that, God, I will give my best to you so that I might grow and know you better, love you more, to show my appreciation for your sacrifice, Jesus. Here's another phrase which I, which I found uh, interesting. Um, it is from, from make every effort, try your hardest, and then try even harder. Try your hardest, and then try even harder. When it comes to spiritual growth, many of you have tried spiritual growth plans, and many of you have tried reading plans, and many of you have tried prayer plans, and um, you know, book, uh, reading a book of the Bible, or reading a particular book, or going through a workbook, and maybe midway you feel like, man, I am done, and you kind of uh, you kind of peter out, and it's like, man, I'm, I'm done. And, and you get halfway through, and you're done. And so what Peter would say, you've tried your hardest. Now go back to the drawing board, and now try even harder. Come up with another plan, 
a plan that fits your schedule. Come up with another reading plan, another prayer plan that fits your schedule. Maybe, maybe five minutes is too long to pray, and you failed at it again and again and again. Peter says, listen, get back up and try it again. Maybe, maybe you have a reading plan, and you get halfway through. You get to Leviticus, and he's like, whoa, I can't. There's no way. Or you get, to, you get to First and Second Chronicles or Kings, and it's like, oh, my goodness, I cannot get through the Bible. What Peter would say, okay, that's okay. You have failed in that area. Get up and try it again. Try hard, and then try even harder. Maybe you've gotten to the place where you are fearful of sharing your faith with someone. You're in, a, uh, you're in an Uber or you're in a cab or you're on the bus or you're going you're gonna, to you're, you're do it this time. And the boss is there and you're going to say something this time. And what Peter would say, like, but, but then you get there and you chicken out once again. What Peter would say, you've tried hard. Now what I want you to do, I want you to try even harder. The Spirit of God is going to infuse you and give you the courage. Maybe you're just starting back in, in, in church, and it's like, man, I, I, I skip a month, and then I come a day, I come a Sunday, and then I skip another month. Peter would say, hey, great, I, I, I get it, I understand. Life is busy. He would say, try hard, but now I want you to try even harder. It says, make every effort. It says, bring to bear whatever energy time, resources, and opportunities that are at our disposal to actually grow in our relationship with Jesus. Friends, we have a role and we have a personal responsibility to grow. Breaking. The church is not responsible for your personal growth. Now, I have to say that because there are individuals who say, they'll say, well, I am not growing. Now, we have, a re- we have a responsibility to teach, and we have a responsibility to teach well. We have a responsibility to teach in such a way it's practical. But guess what? The church is not responsible for your personal growth. The church is responsible for, and we'll get to this, for creating environments and facilitating growth. But you and I are responsible to make efforts to grow. So that means, what is my plan to grow? What is my plan to grow in my relationship with Christ? It really is about expending energy and expending effort. Listen to this, in standardized math in standardized math tests, Japanese children consistently score higher than their American counterparts. Researchers have found that it has more to do with it has has more to do with effort than ability. In a study involving first graders, students were given a difficult puzzle to solve. The researchers weren't even interested in the kids solving the puzzle. They wanted to see how long they would try before giving up. American children lasted on an average of 9.47 minutes. The Japanese children lasted 13.93 minutes. In other words, the Japanese children 
tried 47% longer. It is a wonder that they scored higher on the standardized tests. Researchers concluded that the difference in math scores has less to do with intelligence and more to do with persistence. And this is a word for American Christians as well. This is a word for you and me. It's not about what we know. It's not about how much we know. It's about us persisting in our journey with Jesus through the pain, through the suffering, through the hospital beds, as they sang about. It is about how long will we persist? How long will we walk with Jesus? Come what may, come at all all costs, will you stay with him? Will you persist with him? Even if nothing is happening, will you stay with Jesus? That is the key. It is about persistence and not necessarily about intelligence and knowledge and how much you and I know. And so it is about expending effort so are two categories of effort. The first category is individual effort and then communal. The first is individual effort. Second, 1 Samuel chapter 2, verse 26, uh, there is um, just a, a quick, um, this is the, the prophet and priest Samuel. This is what the text says. That's what the text says, Samuel, 1 Samuel chapter 2, verse 26. And it says, now, it actually, in, um, you really can't see it in the Hebrew, it says, meanwhile, now the young man Samuel continued, you, would, you can add just simply meanwhile, uh, to grow both in stature, that is physically, and in favor with the Lord and also with men. He began to enjoy his relationship with God. The reason why that word meanwhile is so important, the, the, big, um, the, the big, uh, first part of chapter two talks about Eli's sons. Eli's sons were also priests, but they weren't growing. So the writer contrasts Eli's sons and Samuel. In other words, while Eli's sons, Hophni and Phinehas, are not growing, Samuel is growing. And so here's the key, that, that I am not responsible for your growth, that is that as an individual, so, so I can encourage you, I can push you, I can challenge you, but ultimately, I'm responsible for my growth. And Samuel said, hey, I cannot worry about Hophni and Phinehas, I have a relationship with God that I need to grow. So he grew in his relationship with enjoying, enjoying God and building relationship in community with people. So Samuel took responsibility for his own growth. And the word grow here, it actually, it actually, means, um, it actually means he had a plan. There was a course of action that Samuel used to actually grow in his relationship with Christ. And so, so, the, so 
even that's true for us. We, if we want to grow, it can't be haphazard. It can't be accidental. You and I should have a plan. Whether it's a plan to read the Bible, whether it's a plan to pray, whether it's a plan to serve, whether it's a plan to disciple another person, whether it's a plan for someone to disciple me. That is, Samuel, on a regular basis, he said, I want to enjoy God, so I want to put a plan in place so that that might happen. So, so if you want to grow your marriage, you need a plan to grow your marriage. If you, want to, if you want to grow as a single and thrive as a single, you need a plan for that to happen and it not be accidental. If you want to be a disciple, one that can disciple others, you and I need a plan and tools in order to do that. It is not going to happen automatically. It's going to happen because there was a plan to do it. And then there's a, another passage uh, for individual effort in Luke chapter 1, verse 80. And this is John the Baptist. And John the Baptist, uh, the uh, precursor to Jesus and kind of making the way open for Jesus to come and, um, and, and, uh, and for people to receive him. This is what it says. And the child, that is John the Baptist, grew and became strong in spirit. That is emotionally. He is working on his emotional health. And he was in the wilderness, his spirit, emotionally and spiritually. He was in the wilderness until the day of his public appearance. So Samuel took responsibility for his own growth. John the Baptist, so Samuel as a young man, and even John the Baptist, as an older person, took responsibility for his own growth. God called him into the wilderness, and, and part of our responsibility is, in, in this case, much of John the Baptist's growth happened in the wilderness. So that he might be a public blessing, he had to develop his character. And God took him into the wilderness to help him develop his character. There were some deficits in his character. And so God says, in order for the public to be able to stand up to the blessing that you're going to be, I need to develop your character, so I'm going to send you into the wilderness. So sometimes God takes us into the wilderness. He takes us into obscurity. He takes us into the roughest and loneliest places, the uncultivated places, so that he might bless us with character development. Not ease, not convenience, but sometimes through loneliness, through areas of, of rough terrain, and it was only after he lived in the wilderness for a while, God released him to be a public blessing. Not, not to say that it can't happen simultaneously, but I think what we see here is that this internal growth, this internal character development that John the Baptist went through, that Samuel went through, even our Lord and Savior Jesus went through. Luke chapter 2 and verse, 40 and, and verse 40 and verse 52, we see Jesus growing in stature, in favor with God, in favor with man. All that to say, you and I have a responsibility, personal responsibility, to make every effort to try hard 
and then even try harder to grow in our relationship with Jesus. So what are, what are some ways in which we can make those individual efforts? Well, number one, I think we have to assess where we are. We deal in facts, not feelings. Make an assessment of where you might be. Take an assessment um, of, of, am I reading the Bible on a regular basis? What does my Bible intake look like? What does my prayer life look like? What does my community time look like? What, is it, what, what does it look like for me to actually talk to other people about Jesus? I know that's scary, and yet that's a part of our growth. What does it look like? Am I, am I more joyful today than I was yesterday or three months ago or a year ago? Am I more patient with the people around me today than I was three to six months ago? There are all kinds of assessments that you can take, but I think the best assessment, the absolute best assessment that any one of us can use is those who are closest to us. Ask your best friends, the one who spends the most time with you, ask your spouse if you're married. If you're single, ask your best friend and ask, ask them this question. When you look at my life, and you know me better than anybody. Where do you think some of the deficits are? Or another way to ask it is, what is it like to be on the other side of me? Am, am I anxious? Am I loving? Am I caring? I know that's a scary question, but Tanya and my kids are my best spiritual assessment. Now, they don't know what's happening all times on the inside, but what's on the inside will eventually leak. It was my kids that actually reminded me that I work too much. And if I was working too much, more than likely, it, that would bleed into my relationship with not only them, but my relationship with God. No justification, no rationalization. I asked them, what is it like to be on the other side of me. And I said, I am not going to justify, I'm not gonna take away your bed, I'm not gonna take away your money or anything like that. Tell me the honest truth because we deal in facts, not feelings. And they said, Dad, you work too much. And I had to take that and receive that and to, and to say, God, what do you want to do with this? So really the idea, I wasn't resting. I wasn't Sabbathing well. And that meant I was, I was exerting energy not to grow, but I was exerting energy trying to, to make it happen. I was exerting energy. I was even teaching and preaching, not from a place of rest, but from a place of, I need to make the effort. And it was them that God used as my assessment. And Tanya shared this, something similar that, like, like we, were, we were on, um, we were, on vacation this week, and um, 
It was, it was supposed to be, it, it was a relaxing time. Just a relaxing time. But I found myself saying, okay, what time, what time, what time, what time? And Tanya said, have you ever noticed that, that you're anxious about getting to the next thing? I said, well, I, no, it wasn't, no, I don't, no, I don't. And, and then the next words out of my mouth, okay, all right, we got, we got three minutes to do this. And she was the best, she is the best assessment. And God spoke that you need to learn how to walk in my time. You need to walk restfully. Now, again, those are areas in my own life. I'm quite sure that individuals in your life can assess differently and say, hey, this is what I've noticed. And this might be an area that God wants to use to grow you in. So, so assessments, I think, are great. And then, and then ask this question, what do I do now and what do I do next? What do I do now? What do I do next in my growth journey? Is it, is it connecting with someone who is a little bit further ahead of me and say, hey, what are some of your best practices? So what do I do now? What do I do next? Create an intentional growth plan is another. Create an intentional growth plan. We don't grow accidentally. We grow intentionally. We grow because we make it. And then follow through with that plan. And even if you fail, try again. Try harder. Not, again, this is cooperating with God. This is not to win favor with God. Bible study, spiritual practices are designed to actually help us to be uh, open to God. And then, so individual effort and then community effort. Here are a couple of passages This is Acts chapter 11, verse 26, and this is Paul and Barnabas. After Paul gave his life to Jesus, Barnabas took him and helped him to grow. And when he had found him, he brought him to Antioch for, and check this out, for a whole year, they met with the church and taught great many, taught a great many people. And in Antioch, the disciples were first called Christians. And so here is time spent in community helps us to grow. So going it alone is going to be very, very difficult. But time spent with your discipleship group Time spent in a community like this, time spent in a, in, in, um, with, uh, with the Engage Marriage Ministry, time spent with the Go Initiative community, time spent in community, learning, not only learning about God, but learning about ourselves, actually help us to grow. So who are your people? Who are your people who are actually helping you to grow? Who are your people that you connect with on a regular basis that actually move you toward growth in Christ? Again, we cannot do this by ourselves. We need other people to help us to grow, to walk with us, to challenge us, to support us, to encourage us. Who are your people? 
the question that I'm asking myself, am I widening my circle for people to help me to grow? So part of our job as a church is not to force you to grow, but to facilitate growth. So part of our job is to to facilitate environments and communities whereby you are exposing yourself to growth opportunities. Not to force it. I mean, we could, we could guilt trip you and all that kind of stuff. That, that is not our deal. Our deal is not to guilt trip you. Our deal is not to condemn. Our, our, our deal is not to judge. Our deal is to encourage and challenge and love and spur on and create environments and facilitate opportunities to, to, so that you and I might get better. Get better to grow in our relationship. The way we do that is we see this in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 15. This is Paul talking to the Corinthians again. We do not boast beyond limit in the labors of others, but our hope is that as your faith increases, our area of influence among you may be greatly enlarged. In other words, we are asking you on a weekly basis, whether it's Monday or whenever we open this place to create communities and opportunities, is to give us an opportunity to influence, to enlarge our influence in your life to grow. You may not like it. You may like, I don't want to do that. But, but our job as a church is to enlarge our influence so that in your life, not to control, not to force, but to enlarge our influence in your life, create opportunities for you to grow, to be disciples. It's about making individual effort, but it's also about community effort so that you and I might love better, so you and I might uh, impact the people around us. So God's people must make every effort, make intentional efforts. We must make uh, individual efforts, and then we must make ourselves available to community efforts of spiritual growth. And I'll close with this. Clifton Francis was sitting at home in southern India when a friend asked him if he was going to to the World Cup. He says, of course, I might even travel to Russia to watch the extravaganza. That was in August. But he had no idea uh, if he could afford the, he he couldn't afford the air tickets, uh, the airfare from Kerala where he lives. So Mr. Francis is a freelance math teacher, and he earns $40 a day, and he says, I realize I wouldn't have enough money to travel to Russia and stay for a month. Then I asked myself, what could be the cheapest way of traveling? Bicycle was his answer. Friends didn't believe him, but by then he had made up his mind. So on February 23rd, he started on an epic journey that took him by air to Dubai and then ferry to Iran. From there, the Russian capital was still more than 2,600 miles away to bike. The prize, why would he do this? 
to watch his hero, his Argentinian hero, Lionel Messi, play football or soccer. Arguably the best football player or soccer player. I got I to gotta, gotta make sure where I am. I gotta, this is America, so it's soccer. So Francis, he told the BBC, I love cycling and I'm crazy about football or soccer. I simply combined my two passions. The change in plan cost him a lot. He said, I could not take my bike to Dubai and had to buy a new one, which cost him $700. It wasn't the best one for long distance, but that's all I could afford. He biked 2,600 miles to see Messi play. I wonder what the one who died for us deserves. I wonder what the one who gave his, na- his hands to the nails and his side to the spear. I wonder what he deserves. He's not kicking soccer balls into goals. He is dying for every single one of us. And we are to show our love and our gratitude by making every effort, individual and community efforts, to grow, to know him more, to love him better. What would you give to show your value for Jesus? To what effort would you go? To what energy would you expend? Like the actors and actresses, we are not playing a role. We're living a life. Following Jesus and growing up in him. Let me pray for us. So, Father, we confess and admit and even repent in this moment that we've given very little effort to our spiritual growth. And we don't, we don't feel judged by that. We don't feel condemned. But it does motivate us to get better. It does motivate us to, by the power of the Spirit, to try harder, or to try and then try, try hard and then to try even harder. So we ask that you would um, help us make an honest assessment of where we are and where and how we need to grow. We pray that you would help us to um, invite, widen our circle, to invite people into our lives to, to help us to assess where we might be. We ask that you would help us make every effort to be good disciples this week, but not only to be disciples, but to also look around so that we might disciple others. So we pray you would infuse us with energy. You would infuse us with your power to actually strain and strive to to, to expend the energy to get to know you better. To fill our minds and our hearts with the knowledge of you, not just for knowledge's sake, but so that we might love you better. And we pray that we would make ourselves available even in community with other people here at Trinity to go to those environments, to visit those environments so that we might uh, take advantage of opportunities that are available for us to grow. Thank you for this church. I thank you for your people. 
I thank you for people who are already exerting energy to grow. And I pray that we would do even more this year to grow up in you. Uh, we love you, and we, so, we are so grateful for all that you've done for us and all that you do for us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So if you want, uh, if you want someone to pray with you, our elders and um, prayer team members will be up front.